Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. And we all carry around different stressors, both big and small. Sometimes the small stressors are the worst for me because I cannot stop thinking about them when I'm trying to sleep or when I'm trying to go about my day. I keep those little things bottled up and it can start to affect me negatively. Now, therapy is a safe space to get those things off of my chest and figure out how to work through all that stuff. And if you've never benefited from therapy, I think it's time you explore. I think anyone can be helped by going to a professional therapist. It's so incredibly helpful to get those coping skills skills and uh, deal with those stressors. So uh, if you're thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be super convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you got to do is fill out this quick, brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, which I think is so important. Uh, so that way you find someone that you work well with. Now, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Everything Iconic today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Everything Iconic. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. We have a very special guest. You might recognize her from the Real Houses of Potomac. She wrote a book called Tears of My Mother, Dr. Wendy Osefo. How are you? I am so good. How are you? Good. We were just talking about what it must feel like to have this book out. You were saying it wasn't on your bingo card, and now you get to hold it and see it and feel it. And look, I've read a lot of Housewives books, and I didn't get to finish your book yet. But I did read a a large chunk of it last night. And oftentimes, the Housewife books can feel a little impersonal and shitty. Sorry to say. (laughs) (laughs) Love them. But yours had a depth to it that I was I was taken aback by. Did you go into it intending to dive that deep? Absolutely. Um, yes and no. I knew that I felt like the stakes were a little bit higher, right? Because at the end of the day, I'm I'm a professor. Like this is supposed to be what I do and what I do well. But then I also I, I was just talking to someone the other day and I was saying how I'm I'm really an empath at heart. And so as I'm writing the book, I'm not just thinking about myself. I'm like, oh my gosh, like Books have the ability and the the truth is they outlive us. And so my great, 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 great grandkids will be reading this. And so how do I want them to feel when they're reading this? Do I want them to feel like, okay, great. Or do I want them to feel like, you know, I never met her. I feel like I know her. And I wanted that feeling of, you know, I feel like I know you better. Like I didn't know about this. So that was the route I took. Um, and it was also super cathartic in a weird way. Like, so part of my book, we really talk about being an immigrant and first gen. And in Nigerian culture, we often look down on therapy. It's changed now, but that's just like, no, you don't go to therapy unless there's something wrong with you. So this was my first form of therapy because it was cathartic going through everything I've experienced, all the emotions coming up. 
So yeah, it's just been a wild ride. And I hope people read it and come out saying, I know her better. I felt like it filled in some gaps, especially with your relationship with your mother and some of the things that we've seen on Potomac Housewives, because uh, you took a lot of flack for talking about your degrees. And we also saw you confronting your mother about uh, stopping being professor. And so we've seen some of these Mm -hmm. things play out, but oftentimes in the Housewives, we only see like a tiny portion of it. And so I want to ask you, in terms of the switching of the careers, which we saw a little bit on the show, why was it so nerve wracking? And I know you talk about this in the book, but maybe you could share with our listeners what was so nerve wracking about it and where did that stem from? And can you explain a little bit of that? Yeah, I think, you know, in Nigerian culture, and my mom is like the poster girl for Nigerian culture, there's this expectation of excellence, not necessarily because you yourself want to be excellent, right? Or you want to overachieve, but because whatever you do basically could either bring uh, celebration or shame to the family. And so when you are juggling me, juggling the idea of leaving behind my professorship, it doesn't solely fall on my shoulders. It's not like when you just quit your job and move on to something else. I have to think of the ripple effects and the ramifications for other people because they love saying, my daughter is a doctor. My daughter is a professor at Hopkins. And I know that even for some of the viewers, they were like, she's 30 something years old. Why does she care? Well, that's where the cultural piece comes in. We literally live for our parents. It's, it, 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 the, it never changes. As long as your parent is living in Nigerian culture, your life is theirs. And it might sound weird. It might sound archaic, but it's the culture I grew up in. So I think it does give some backstory to viewers of, wow, this is why it was so hard for her. It wasn't just switch a job. It was literally something that could be life and death for her family, right? And then the other layer, Danny, is the fact that my mom is a single mom. So there was already shame in being a divorcee in my culture. And in the book, I talk about how some of her own siblings tell her, oh, your daughters will never be anything. They're going to end up pregnant and they're going to drop out of school. And my own father told her, oh, you're not going to be anything. What are you going to do as a single mom raising two kids? They expected her to fail. So I carry the weight of not just trying to achieve for her, but also trying to give her the ability to boast because so many people thought that she would fail. I was so fascinated when you talk about the difference in Nigerian culture versus how the men are raised versus how the women are raised and the expectation on women to be essentially these perfect creatures and men get a seemingly, it seemed to explain to us in the book, a little more slack. Let me tell you, when I say, a lot of the men are just like certified grade A losers. And I'm just like, how do you get to be that? And we don't. And it's so weird. It's 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 almost like with a Nigerian culture, they love their sons, but they raise their daughters. Mm. And that has a big impact on my mom being the mom of two girls at the time. She eventually had a son. So here goes an example. She eventually had a son. My brother is now a sophomore in college, praise be, but he his dream is to be a rapper. Now, is there anything wrong with that? No. Could I have been a rapper? Heck no. My sister is an entire surgeon. 
I was the black sheep of the family from wanting to be a lawyer. And here goes this kid at 1920 saying, I want to be a rapper. Like, sir, no, but my mom is okay with it. She's like, chase your dreams, be happy. And so, you know, in the conversation in the book, there is that conversation around gender and gender expectations. And what does that look like? And now that I'm a mom, the expectations I put on my two boys versus my daughter. And in this season of Potomac, it's so crazy because as much as I say, this makes no sense. I find myself doing the same things. You guys will see a conversation where I talk about, you know, we're creating a trust. We have a trust. And as we're filling in the gaps in the trust, what I have set in place for Cameron to achieve is completely different for what I want the boys to achieve. And where does that come from? Wait, but so do you not, okay. So as you're doing that, as you're going (laughs) through that process, are you realizing like, Hey, maybe I need to make a shift here or are you comfortable with where you're headed? No, like it takes me talking through it with outsiders for me say, I need to make a shift here. But in the same token, I also make a whole bunch of excuses for it, right? Like, I mean, here goes a little tease. I say, I say to myself, well, the reason I want her to do X, Y, and Z is because I never want her to depend on a man and end up like some of my castmates. Oh. So... <laughs> I literally say that. And so all that to say, yes, it's wrong. But I had to go through the process to realize why am I thinking like this? I'm so excited for the new season. I know. We're it's, gonna... so good. No, it's so good. Is it good? Oh, okay. no. Like, I'm not just saying that. Like, it, it, oh, it's so good. I, and I don't want to say that. I want to yeah. say, Danny, it's horrible. It's horrible because I want you to come back at the end of the year and be like, what just happened? But Potomac always delivers. I don't ever really worry about Potomac because I just know that you always have a good season. But it looked, I mean, the trailer looked phenomenal. It's a type of, it's a type of delivery. Meaning, I I will say this. It's so much going on that we are not even stuck with the same thing for a long time. Which is crazy because the stakes are so high and you're like, wow, this is a big story. And then something else happens. Do you watch the other housewives during the off season? Like, will you tune into Beverly Hills or something? I have, I, I used to more other years than this year, only because of the books I've been inundated, yeah. but I try to like touch base. I hear Beverly Hills is just like. It's a lot. A it's lot. a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear it's a lot this season. It's and I lot. hate that because I used to love Beverly Hills. I know. I they, but you speaking of, they get stuck on something and it's like ah, they get stuck on yeah, one yeah. thing and it's just like, oh, okay, we're, we're going through the same thing over and over again. Uh, I want to talk about you, your family coming to America because I think on the show, we see this tough side of your mom. But in the book, as I was reading about her experience of coming to America, and I was like, man, she's so badass. Like, <laughs> Yes, she seems tough, but also she's she's pretty phenomenal. And in writing the book, did you see a different side of her? Or was that something that was just exciting for you to let other people know about? No, I, in writing the book, I, I thought, wow, I can't believe you've been through all of that and you're still standing, right? I think, you know... Tell, the, tell, the, us, about, tell us about coming over here because yeah. I thought it was so moving. Yeah. So basically, you know, from my vantage point, how I understand the story, mind you, my dad is saying now that's not what happened. But anyway, from my vantage point, it, I came to this country because my mom, yes, wanted a better life for my sister and I, but also because my dad was going through this religious upheaval in his own self. 
And he wanted my mom to conform to all of the norms of this new stricter religion that he wants to, to, to be a part of. So basically in the middle of the night, I, I and my sister are woken up. And then next thing I know, I'm on a plane for the first time coming to the United States in a heroic move by my mother to bring us over here. Yes, for a better life, but to make it so we are not subject to the rules, regulations of my dad's new religious choice. And that in this in of itself can be a movie with Sandra Bullock. Like, mm-hmm. honestly, I have all of the cast of characters for what that movie would be. But I just think that that's so amazing that she did that. And, and, but, but the, the funny part is later on in the book, I real, she, she makes a statement. My mom makes a statement and she says, don't be like me. Don't choose your children over yourself. Mm-hmm. So while she's badass for doing that, Fast forward 30 something years and I wonder, does she regret that? Because she basically had to decide, do I stay with the love of my life or choose a potential better life for my two kids? And she chose the latter. But in my heart of hearts and as I explored in the book, I feel like she has some resentment towards us for making her make that decision. Right. We talked a little bit about the difference between how men and women were raised in your culture. And I wonder when you, when you're in America and the other young American women that you're surrounded with and growing up with, did you look at them differently? Or I'm not sure if this makes any sense, but Mm -hmm. what was it? What was it like seeing other girls grow up in a different type of household? Yeah, I, I, I wanted to have some of the fun that the other girls had. I tell a story in the book about me taking a blunt earring and piercing my second hole in my ear by myself. The backstory to that is my mom didn't want me to because she felt like someone with multiple piercings would be seen as wayward and would not be married. Backstory for me, I wanted to do that because all of my girls in middle school did that. So it's... it was, and it still is, if I could be honest, like I'm living in two worlds. I'm living in the world of the old country, my Nigerian culture, but then I also see this liberated and fun, like new country and things that they do. And a part of me does want to do what all of my friends do, or as you coined it, what the American girls do. And I have just come to the conclusion that as first generation immigrants, we have created whether subconsciously or unconsciously our own world where it's like an amalgamation of where we come from and also where we currently live uh you mentioned your dad and uh you and your mom and your sister came to america Mm -hmm. you're living this life your dad decides to come for i believe it was a year right he came to america for a year and you had a great relationship with him and then he Mm -hmm. decides to go back to nigeria yes what is that shift like for a young child to have these moments where your father is very involved in your life and then seemingly chooses, is it religion? Would you say that's what he chose over you? Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, it's, which is another theme of the book, which is that of how things that affect that happen in your childhood, whether we know it or not, impact us in adulthood. And what I mean by that is I have a hard time with attachment. I'm very, I I have the ability to walk away from things and 
people quickly, not because I want to, but because I've learned how to as a form of coping. And so as a child, it's one of those things where you have this picture perfect family in your head and the split second is gone. That impacts you. That changes you. Whether you grow up to be successful or not, that's something that lives within you to the point that whenever I see Eddie and my daughter uh, Cameron together, I, I have this thing and I say it in the book. I say, oh, look at that. Father, daughter must be nice. I can't relate. And I say it and we all joke and we laugh about it. But it's the truth. Like I, I don't have that. It's almost like, you know, that no matter what happens, no matter what you do in life, there's always that part of you that will never be fulfilled. And that sucks, for lack of a better word. Yeah. We have to take a quick break here. We'll be back with much more from Dr. Wendy Osefo from The Real Housewives of Potomac. Isn't Dr. Wendy great? Always love chatting with her. Anyway, you can find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. There are bonus episodes of Everything Iconic available at patreon.com slash everything iconic. If you donate $4 or more per month, you get access. I'm doing one bonus episode a month where I'm recapping Sex in the City. We're currently on season two. More importantly than that, though, the money helps to support this show. So thank you to all of you who are over there. You can also get my book, How Do I Unremember This, wherever books are sold. And with all of that said, I bid you adieu for just a few moments, and we'll be right back with Dr. Wendy. All right, I'm sure a lot of you out there can relate because every time there's a commercial break and I'm watching one of my shows, I'm always hopping on the Redfin app or website because I just want to check out real estate listings. Like I love checking out real estate listings, even for the houses that I cannot afford. It's my favorite app to use Redfin. Uh, I just got a home, of course, but it was a pretty stressful process. And if I would have known how easy Redfin was, I think it would have helped out a lot. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes and sends you personalized recommendations. So finding the home that's perfect for you has never been easier. See something you like? Well, book a tour straight from the app. And when you're ready to buy, an experienced local Redfin agent can guide you through the whole process, making it so easy. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents know how to get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents with a listing fee as low as 1%. Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards your next home. Now, that's a great thing. I love using Redfin. I love checking out. If you're buying or selling a home and you need some help with that, check out Redfin. Download the Redfin app to get started. You talk about pop culture as a child and what stuck out to you. And specifically, you mentioned how uh, at any time you would see darker skinned black women on TV, it was meaningful to you. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if you could just talk about some of the influence you had growing up in terms of pop culture, like the TV shows and that kind of stuff? Yeah. So, you know, I, I still carry that with me till today. I am a darkest skinned black woman. We often see the conversations of skin tone when it comes to Potomac, because there are some darkest skinned black women, there are some lighter skinned black women, but growing up, you, you would watch TV and you would see these images, but not really realize what the message it was sending. Whether you would watch shows like Martin and you had a darker skinned man and a lighter skinned woman, or you would have Fresh Prince of Bel-Air where they replaced the original mom with the lighter skinned woman. It was always as if the object of desire was a woman of lighter hue. So whenever I saw a dark skinned woman who 
walked just with grace and elegance and was just amazing, they resonated with me. Till today, one of my favorite movies is The Bronx Tale. I love that movie. And I love, you know, the character Terrell Hicks. She was just this dark-skinned, beautiful woman. Um, the same thing can be said with, what is the show? I think it's In the House with LL Cool J. Mm-hmm. Um, the girl on the show was called, her name is Maya Campbell. Granted, she's had some health issues in recent memory, but I remember seeing her and I thought she was the most beautiful woman in the world. And so I just think that having that imagery of yourself it's important because people never know what they can achieve until they see others do the same. And 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 if I could be quite honest, us just releasing our uh, promo shoot, our pictures, I see people in the comments and they're saying, yes, Wendy, look at her beautiful dark skin. And it may just be a comment, but for people who look like me, I represent something on that franchise that they did not see. And I think that it's important. Also, that red cast photo. I mean, come on. Did, were you all in the same room together, or was that like one of those editing <laughs> no, tricks? No, it was an editing trick. Uh, oh, it was. So we, we all were like walking. So I didn't see anyone else except for maybe two other people. Like they had us like different time slots. We were going to different stations. I mean, it was so covert, but it was such a big, big production. And it turned out so beautiful. Oh, you all look so good. Okay, wait, oh, so I, I got to get some scoop on Housewives. So I know yes. the season starts October 9th. Yes. Everyone's very excited. I'm trying to think of the specific questions I could ask that you could spoil maybe a little something. And we yes. see you and Mia get into it again. Uh-huh. And is there hope for you and Mia to have a friendship, do you think, now after filming the season? I, I would never say never. I think that there is hope. Uh, I, I, I do think there's, there, there's hope for that, but she needs to know not to ever do that again because, you know, I don't, 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 don't. Can you tell me why she does can, can you tell us why she doesn't? Because she's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think uh, after filming the season, do you think the audience can, can you guess what sides the audience is going to be on? Does that make sense? Yes, I can. Absolutely. So can you tell me? No. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I can guess. But the audience always surprises me because you'll think you guys are going to react to something one way and yeah. then you'll re- react to it another way. But when I, after filming this season, to me, there's like clear, like, I don't, I, it doesn't make sense on a certain side. But we'll see. I'm interested to see. Uh, Giselle is always accused of stirring the pot. And I think Candace in the trailer, she talks about Giselle and she says, Giselle's dead to me. Uh, does she, How do you feel about Giselle stirring the pot? And I think the accusation is always she does it so that she doesn't have to talk about her own situations. Do you mm-hmm. think she was doing that this season? Well, you know, she came in this season and did what she customarily does. Uh, and made some accusations as well. And, you know, I think at this point between us as the cast and I think the viewers, Giselle is going to Giselle. And I think you just need to know that. And it is just a matter of who is going to be the target at any given time. It was me last year. Yeah, so it's not you this year. 
Not necessarily, no. Okay. Wait, so that one season with Monique, her last season, the reunion, Mm -hmm. I remember there being rumors that at the reunion, there was like this Giselle sort of takedown or something happened where she was crying. And then it ultimately never seemed to air. And I think a lot of fans were like wondering, did that actually happen? Was it just a rumor? Do you know what I'm talking Mm. about? No, I no. What happened? I don't know. There, it was just always this rumor that that okay. reunion, as it was coming up, mm-hmm. that Giselle had a horrific reunion. And there were these rumors that uh, some information came out about maybe the ex. And mm-hmm. there were some little things that happened, but ultimately it seemed like not so bad. And yeah, so I she, just wondered. She did. She did. It was a horrific reunion for her. Okay. Uh, and I think that you guys got the abridged version in, in an effort to, you know, not make it as bad for her. Because some people, from what they saw, they thought it was bad, but it was actually worse. Not everything was shown. Oh, interesting. Can you tell me something that wasn't shown or why <laughs> it wasn't shown? Um, I think... It probably didn't show her in the best light, right? Like, yeah, it didn't show her in the best light. And so some of those reactions that you see for from us wasn't from what you guys were seeing. It was from something else that happened that you guys didn't see. Does that make oh sense? God. Yeah, so I think, totally makes so sense. I think there's like a gif of me going or something like that in my chair. Yeah, that wasn't to that. That was to something else. And you're not going to tell me what it was. <laughs> No. <laughs> okay. Okay. But and so, do you think it's like Bravo protecting, or is it just? Lord, Danny, you're I know, not but me in see, trouble. I know I have to. Because fans, we've always wondered about. I, at least I've always wondered because it's something that was like in the blogs and stuff. And then I think a lot of people saw it and were like, "Oh, well, that wasn't maybe what we thought was coming." Well, what we know is that, and they and never was shown. So. Okay. Interesting. Well, Interesting. Uh, What about... And there was stuff last year, if I could be honest, that I said that was never shown. And I know that for a fact. Do you want to re-say it here? I can't. (laughs) (laughs) No, because I'll give you some tea. Candace says it this season. And so if it doesn't come out, then I think I can answer your first question on if she's protected or not. Because it didn't make it when I said it. Let's see if it makes it when Candace says it. Yeah, and there's always things. Of course, we know that they can't show everything. And there's a whole yeah. storyline they have to do. But, oh, I'm fascinated by that. Okay. <laughs> um, how are you and Karen doing? Are you guys okay with... Because I, I liked seeing the two of you as friends last season. Oh, we're good. Okay, that good. is... Uh, oh, yeah, Karen. She just texted me. Like, we were just texting. Yeah. What was it like getting to know Sharice? Because Sharice is back as a friend of, but you hadn't really worked with her or filmed with her or gotten to know her. No, like? I I had met her prior to her coming on the season. Like I met her like, you know, at like an event or something like that. And we had talked. It was fine. You know, she she definitely came in and she clocked in. So she she's there. <laughs> she's, she's there. there. Okay, I'm reading into that. Anything, I like her. I like her though. How's your mom's relationship with the show now? I mean, after there's been all this time. It's fun for her. I think she thinks that, you know, okay. I think she's okay with it because I am still a professor, if that makes sense. It's mm-hmm. like, ah, that's what she does on her spare time. Enjoy it. Have fun. Uh, she's okay with it. Okay. So I want to ask after writing this book, 
What okay. is one thing you learned from your mom raising you and your sister and, and later your brother that you want to pass along to your raising of your kids? And what is one thing you want to let go of? Like if you could just pick one. One thing that my mom always taught us and as selfish as it may sound, she always taught us that all we have is each other. And she embedded that in our brains. And she would say, one day I will no longer be here, but you three will be here and you always have each other. And that has made me, my sister, my brother, we're like triplets. We're like best friends. We do for each other. We support each other. We're each other's best friends. And I have done that to my children. I tell them all the time, like even when they argue, that's your brother, that's your best friend, that's your sister, that's your best friend. And the love and protection they have for each other, it just warms my heart that, you know, when I do leave this earth, they're in good hands because they have each other. I have a whole chapter dedicated to that uh, about, I talk about how the strongest shape is a triangle because each side supports each other. And it's ironic how I have myself and two siblings and my children have themselves and two siblings. So they're a triangle. So that's one thing I absolutely love. To point, if I yell at one of my kids, I'm like, you know, turn off the TV or do something. The other ones jump on me and say, don't talk to them like that. So I'm like, ah, I did my job. So they, they absolutely lo- love each other. Um, what my mom passed on to me that I don't want to pass on to my children is that of feeling as if they owe me simply because I'm their mother. Mm. And that's not a good feeling. Like if my, like my mom will say things and she'll say stuff like, you know, I didn't party when I was younger because I had you guys. Well, I didn't ask you not to party. You you made that decision yourself. So I shouldn't have to pay for it. Right. And I never want my kids to feel as though they have to do something. I want them to want to do whatever they do for me. I appreciate it. You know, um, but my mom will not only let you know that you have to do it, but she also will let you know if she doesn't like what you do. Right. And that's so hurtful. I could, I turned my, my study in my house into a spare bedroom for her. And she complained the whole time because she hated the, the, the decorations in the room. And as a mom, just for me, it's just the thought that counts. Like if my, if I go into my son's house and he turns something into a room for me and decorate, I'm like, oh my God, thank you. Just a gesture. My mom, no, she, she'll let you know how she feels. Yeah. That can be a good thing sometimes, but a lot of times I imagine as a daughter, it's very, very tough and hurtful. Especially when you never, when you never Mm -hmm. are able to satisfy them. It'll be different if it's once Mm -hmm. in a while, but it's like, it's never good enough. Nothing is ever good enough for her. Wow. Uh, You mentioned your dad briefly earlier and how you said he has a different recollection. And I wonder what's your relationship like as an adult with your dad? It's not as good as I would like it to be. I actually spoke to him a week and a half ago. Uh, And, you know, it's, it is what it is. And, And, what I realized from that is what I realized from that is children need their parents in childhood 
but children want their parents in adulthood. And since I didn't have him when I needed him, now that I'm an adult, I necessarily don't want him. And that's not because he's a bad person. It's just that he didn't solidify himself as a part of my life when he should have. And he's doing great. He's, you know, married. He has his children. I'm very close to his side of the family. I have cousins. We all celebrate together. But just as far as like being an intricate part of my life, Mm-mm, no. Well, Dr. Wendy, I got to let you go. Before <laughs> I do, though, any last thing you want to spoil about the upcoming season or lo- that we should look out for or something? Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, I would say the upcoming season, you have to pay close attention to how people change throughout the season. It's one of those seasons that you can literally watch the finale, but after you do that, go back and watch the first episode okay. and you'll be like, oh. I mean, the relationships, the dynamic, um, you would, you will see people this season turn on people who were the only ones who had their back. It's really, I mean, it's almost a, if I could be honest with you, it's a master class in betrayal. Oh, I got goosebumps. Yeah. I can't wait. This this season gives you that. A masterclass in betrayal where you will be like, I can't believe she did that. Oh, my God. I love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so luckily, I'm here to tell you about a company called Cozy. Now, Cozy is fantastic. A North American company that thoughtfully designs furniture made for modern living. Now, Cozy strives to provide the best furniture shopping experience with elegant, super high quality products, plus fast delivery and easy assembly, which is really important to me because I do not like putting together furniture. So the easier, the better for me. Now, Cozy offers a beautiful, customizable sofas and sectionals that are made to adapt in time. This means customers can add seats to the sofas over time. Maybe if you're extending your family, you might want more space on the couch. Cozy also offers a great range of coffee tables, washable rugs, wall shelving, credenzas, TV stands, and accessories. So much. It's thoughtfully designed furniture made for modern living. There's an outdoor sofa and tables collection that is fantastic. It's called the Mistral. So you can choose the perfect sofa configuration for your outdoor setup. Uh, Cozy also opened its first retail space on Queen Street in Toronto to push the experience to the next level and allow customers to engage physically with the products. So transform your living space today with Cozy. Visit Cozy.com, spelled C-O-Z-E-Y, to start customizing your furniture today. Again, that's Cozy, C-O-Z-E-Y.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Um, Okay, so Tears of My Mother, this book, everyone's going to get it. It's a really beautiful story. It also made me very hungry, too, because the way you're describing (laughs) some of the Nigerian food in there. I mean, I was sitting in bed last night, and I'm, like, starving just reading it. Oh, that's part of the Nigerian culture. And I also give – you know what I love about this book, Danny, before we wrap? 
I love how I talk about my life. I talk about housewives, but I also talk about being a political commentator. And in here, I'm not sure you if you got get to into that, that point. stuff. No, we didn't. Even and get I, into that I don't stuff. know if know. you got read to the part about like what happened in a, a green room at a news station with a politician who is still a politician. Wait, I didn't and get to that part. Wait, can you tell me now? Danny, really no. Wait. Okay. No, okay, Danny. Okay, okay, okay. You okay. need to get that oh, part. Oh, no, I feel bad. I didn't get book. all the way through. And he's still a politician. Do we fully like him? Named, How do you feel about him now? He's fully named, no pseudo in this book. Well, it was really good. I mean, I, cause I, I read a whole ton and I was like, oh, this is even just the, the language in the book was beautiful. And I think that oh, thank you. is, was great. Okay. Now plug the home stuff. Where can people get the candles, <laughs> all of that stuff. You, you guys can still get the candles at onlyhomeessentials.com. We have the candles, we have new scents. So all of that is still happening. Your mom must be really proud though, about all of these. Ama- these are pretty huge accomplishments i mean it is i wish i wish you would tell me that yeah dr wendy <laughs> love you thank you so love much you for so stopping much. by and yes. uh, we can't wait to watch potomac october 9th which is my birthday it's the birthday gift oh, from the bravo yes. gods so thank hey, you so oh, much happy birthday in advance and yes thank you for having me thank you hopefully we'll talk soon yes <laughs> 